Grab your mason jars, strap on that apron. It's time for Canning with the Diva. Making her mark across the globe. Teaching you how to safely preserve delicious recipes. Please welcome your host, Diane Devereaux, the Canning Diva. Welcome, this is Diane Devereaux, the Canning Diva. It is a pleasure to be here, and thank you all for tuning in. I am so excited to be back in action and talking to all of you about all things canning and food preservation. Um, today's segment, I'm super excited to talk about chicken tortilla soup. This has become my new favorite soup to make. And don't get me wrong, yes, I love canning just about anything and everything. And to me, I only can those recipes that I enjoy. But this one, my goodness, it gave my mom's chicken soup a run for its money. I must say the flavor blends are delicious. Uh, the aroma is very rich. It reminds me of kind of like a, a Tex-Mex chicken tortilla soup, which is why now I call it that. And the fun part about this particular soup, because we're pressure canning, you get to have a variety of flavor and texture variations with this. So the recipe I'm gonna go over today talks um, about what I like in it. I like to make sure it's a little bit darker red in color, um, so I don't mind adding uh, dark uh, dried black beans because that gives it a little bit of a purple black hue. Um, obviously I'm using Roma tomatoes so it's going to redden it up a bit and then also I use chili powder so that gives it another red tone as well as some paprika. Um, I know that you can do just about any bean with this particular soup. Um, I've seen um, uh, Janet over at Facility Kitchens. It's where we get together and we do a lot of our personal production canning, whether it's with individuals who have taken my classes or um, sometimes it's just friends of mine. We all get together and we rent that huge commercial kitchen so we can just crank out as much as possible. Well, I've seen variations to this recipe because of what you know, they may eat or don't like or prefer to see in their soup. So I've seen gabonzo beans, I've seen pinto beans, I personally like the black beans. Um, and then I've also seen, uh, I think I think it was Janet, she added garbanzo beans as well as, I think it was navy beans. So you can use whatever bean you'd like. Um, if you have a lighter color bean and you don't get into maybe the paprika and the chili powder as much, um, it's going to be a lighter colored soup. If you um, make it the way I give it to you today, it's going to be that gorgeous um, brick red hue and um, it's going to taste delicious no matter which variation you so choose. But um, it really embodies a lot of that Tex-Mex flavor because we're going to add some green chilies, obviously some onions of course, and um, also some cumin. There's something about adding cumin to this recipe that just... I think that's what helps make it because chili powder is chili powder. We've all tried that in a variety of you know chilies or sauces, and I, I do I do think it's the cumin that just sets it off perfectly. So let's get started. I'll go ahead and give you the list of ingredients. We'll kind of break into the recipe, and then um, 
I definitely want to share with you some of the pressure canning tips and techniques. So I'll go through the recipe, but before we wrap up today's segment, I'll make sure that you kind of, um, uh, we're going through that checklist of safety features for that pressure canner, no matter which one you're using. So that way you feel confident if you're new to pressure canning, uh, you can make this recipe in your home kitchen. Okay, so ingredients. What I suggest is you start with uh, four large boneless, skinless chicken breasts. Now, starting with about four large uh, breasts, uh, this recipe will yield roughly eight quarts um, 16 pints somewhere in there okay if you'd like to add a little bit more chicken because you'd prefer to have a lot more substance to the soup you're welcome to do so but I wouldn't exceed six breasts and it's hard because my large may be very different than your large so I guess it just depends on where you shop or if you if you um, are a homesteader and you have your own chickens and you're skinning your fryers and you're gonna use those for this meal, I guess it just all depends. So anywhere from four to six uh, should work just fine. If you're doubling the recipe, then you're a-okay. All right, now, so in addition to the four large boneless skinless chicken breasts, we're gonna use one and a half cups of carrots. And those, you, I say either keep them round or half moon shape and make sure they're about a half an inch thick. We're gonna chop up one large Vidalia onion. You're gonna dice 16 Roma tomatoes. You're gonna to have two cups of dried black beans, or again, any bean of your choice. One cup of mild green chilies, and those should be chopped fine. If you prefer your soup to be a bit hotter, feel free to utilize a chili pepper that mimics and mirrors the flavors in which you'd like to taste in the soup. So if you want it hotter, you go ahead and add the pepper that's gonna suit your, suit your taste buds. Okay, we're also gonna add two cups of water and you're going to wanna use six cups of chicken stock, not broth. Um, we want this to be a warm, well-bodied soup. We don't want it to, to ever um, get the notion of being runny or too watery. So you definitely wanna use some stock. You'll also need four cups of corn kernels, and if you cut them fresh, that is awesome. If you don't happen to have fresh on hand, that's fine. You can utilize your frozen corn kernels. Just make sure they're thawed before adding them to the recipe. We're also going to then utilize one tablespoon of ground cumin, one tablespoon of Mediterranean sea salt, one tablespoon of ground chili powder, one teaspoon of paprika, two to four dried cayenne peppers, um, but I've also used the Elbro um, peppers. Um, so I guess, again, it just depends on the flavor you're going for and how much heat you wanna to add to the recipe. But dried peppers in this um, are also another key to enhancing those flavors in addition to that cumin. You'll also want to make sure you have six garlic cloves handy, mince those up fine. And um, I, I always add a couple extra, so don't be afraid to add the garlic. Again, we're not gonna be fearful of flavor in this recipe. And last but not least, I like to personally thicken my soup some. I don't want it too runny. So I make sure I have two tablespoons of canning gel on hand. And if that's something you are not familiar with, that's a product that I have rebranded and packaged. It's essentially clear gel. 
I sell it on my website at canningdiva.com. So if you don't have any on your on your shelf, uh, feel free to uh, step on over and grab yourself a 1.5 pound container. And uh, you can utilize it to replace all of your corn starches that are on your pantry shelf. Uh, this happens to be non-GMO uh, as, as well as gluten-free, so it's very good for you. But anyway, I like it a little thicker. If you don't want it thicker and you want to just keep it as is, feel free. There's no right or wrong way with this particular soup. Alrighty, now, the first thing you want to do is start the chicken breast. So I tell individuals to go ahead and get a nice stainless steel stock pot. doesn't have to be real large. Just make sure that you're covering the chicken breast with about two inches of water. And you're going to want to bring those to a boil and boil them until they're about cooked through. So I, anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes. Um, and then so that you can later cut those up into um, some chunks. You want to, once they're done and they're boiled through, you want to remove those breasts using some tongs and set them aside on a cutting board to cool. Now I, in my recipe I say you can go ahead and discard the water. Um, what I have done, and I just did this recently for my last batch, the two cups of water that the recipe calls for, instead of using tap water so that I'm not losing out any flavor, I have, I have gone ahead and taken two cups of that chicken water and I've used that in the recipe. If you don't want to do that, don't worry, you don't have to. You can just get two standard cups of water from your tap, that's not a problem. But I did find by changing this up a bit and using that chicken water, it did help the flavor. It didn't, it didn't let it get uh, too liquidy in taste, so to each their own. Anyway, once the chicken has cooled over there on that cutting board, feel free to shred it with your fingers or cut it into bite-sized pieces with a knife. All right, now, as far as the bean prep goes, because we're pressure canning our soup, I have found that just putting the beans in dry has worked out marvelously. Typically, I can my soup in pints, um, but this last batch, I made a double batch, and what I did is I decided to double it up, and I did some in quarts and some in pints. Obviously, I had to process them in two different pressure canners because they require a different amount of processing time, but I like to have a pint on hand if it's just soup for myself, and I like to have a quart on hand if I'm going to be feeding others. So I decided to do both. And because of the processing time for both the 75 minutes and the 90, the beans turned out perfect. So this time I just did it dry. If you like your beans to be a touch softer, softer almost mushy, um, you are welcome to pre-process those beans. And what you would do then is you would just, instead of soaking them overnight, you would just place them in a stock pot, cover them with water, and then bring your uh, beans to a boil. And then, this is of course after you've cleaned them, uh, but of course then um, reducing that heat, letting them simmer for about 15 minutes, okay? Uh, rinse them uh, when, they're, when they're done boiling and then add them to the soup. Um, it just pre-softens them. I mean, you really can't tell to the touch because it is only 15 minutes. Just, just the same as if you soak them overnight. It's not like they become mushy instantly. But it does soften them just a touch more than what the standard pressure canner would allow. And I think some of that is because um, when you combine a dried bean with an acidic tomato, and Romas are, are fairly acidic, it does tend to um, prevent a full-on softening of the bean. 
Um, they're not hard by any means, but if you prefer them more mushy, this extra 15 minutes would totally help you out. So again, this is the fun about pressure canning. There's no right or wrong way. Um, acid doesn't become as much of a factor anymore. So if you want to play with the ingredients, as long as you're not going too far-fetched here and you're sticking you know, to the recipe uh, for the most part and keeping the ratios, um, you can still make the soup your own. So very exciting stuff that you don't, unfortunately, get the pleasure of, of doing uh, when you're water bathing. So, all right, now that we've gotten the, the chicken breast taken care of, as well as the beans, um, we're gonna now start focusing on getting everything going together to form the soup. So I would grab an entirely separate stainless steel stock pot. I would suggest it being quite large because we're gonna yield quite a bit of soup once we combine everything. And in that large stainless steel stock pot, you're going to combine all of your ingredients, um, everything, uh, except for the canning gel. Uh, give that a minute. Go ahead and get everything in there first so you have some liquidity. And you're going to um, mix it quite well together and then boil it gently for three minutes. So combine all your ingredients, bring them to a boil on medium-high heat, mix it well, and boil gently for three minutes. Then add your diced or shredded cooked chicken. All right, so once your chicken's in there, bring that back to a boil, and now again, boil gently for five additional minutes. And this is about the time I add the canning gel. The canning gel, again, is optional. It is uh, a great way to thicken the soup just ever so slightly to avoid some of that runny, watery texture. And um, the best part about using canning gel or clear gel, if you happen to have clear gel on hand, um, they're both one and the same, and they are the only thing that you can utilize as a thickening agent um, in home canning that doesn't impede the temperature processing. So the viscosity will remain intact when you go to reheat the soup down the road uh, so that you have a meal on hand. All right, now, with respect to filling the jars, what I tell people is, what do you want to see in your bowl? For me, I love a hearty soup. So my ratio to uh, the actual food particles and the liquid uh, is usually about 75-25. So what I do is I take a slotted spoon and I then add all of the soup contents to the jar till it's about 75% full. Now, in this case, we have to keep mind of a one-inch headspace. So you don't want to go above the one-inch headspace. The one-inch headspace would be your 100%. So I would go, you know, 25% below that, and that would be my soup contents. And then from there, I ladle the broth over the food particles. Because when I open that jar, I want to make sure that my ratio of a hearty soup is much higher than liquidity. Now, I have some individuals who enjoy having uh, maybe a piece of malba uh, toast or uh, bread or just some type of um, biscuit, if you will, with their soup or crackers. So they like to have an even ratio of the food particles and the liquidity. So they'll do half of a jar filled with the food itself, all of the soup contents, and then they will ladle over top of that and you can actually see it's like a half and half ratio so however you want to see that soup in your bowl is how you want to fill your jars so long as you are very well paying mind to the one inch headspace that's required for this recipe 
And in pressure canning, the reason why headspace is so important is, as you know, pressure canning gets upwards of 240 plus degrees. And when things get hot, molecules get active, food gets active, things swell, and we have to give it enough room in that jar to do what it needs to do during that processing time. So it's going to be pretty darn hot for a long period of time. I mean, pints are going to process for 75 minutes. So think of, think of all that food in there being so hot and so active for 75 minutes, plus all that cool down time. Uh, you definitely don't want to exceed that one inch headspace. You don't want to get too close to the rim when you're filling your jars because all that's going to happen is it's going to fall, spill over and then get on your rim and then obviously it's going to prevent a seal if too many food particles and debris get up there on that rim uh, in between that um, the rim and the uh, rubber compound on our lids. So be mindful of headspace when you're pressure canning and and be, be mindful of um, certain recipes calling for a generous one-inch headspace. A generous one-inch headspace means add a quarter of an inch to whatever it is you're doing. And your, your pressure canner, you're going to see that often. You're going to also see that when you're talking about, for instance, apple pie filling. Now, I know that only goes in a water bather, but because of the swelling and uh, just at 212 degrees, just at boiling water temperature when it's in a water bather, I mean, that pie filling is going to ooze out all over the place. So a generous one-inch headspace, when a recipe says that, you want to give it an inch and a quarter, okay? Now, for this uh, recipe, uh, go ahead and fill all of your jars based on how you want to see those ratios. And then, um, to be safe, give this one a generous one-inch headspace if you're adding the canning gel because that's going to um, thicken the soup, all right? Remove any air bubbles using your air bubble remover tool, which is on the opposite end of your headspace measuring tool, okay? If you don't happen to have one of those, I do make them available on my website at canningdiva.com. Um, if you're in a pinch and you've already started the recipe and you definitely don't have time to wait for my free shipping, uh, don't worry about it. You can use the other end of a wooden spoon, and you can also kind of tamper your jar on the tabletop or the counter to kind of get things to settle and get those air bubbles to move out of the way. And you'll find that as you're removing the air, your soup level now drops down some. So be sure to add additional soup if needed to keep that generous one inch headspace. Okay? Now, once all of your air bubbles have been removed and you've adjusted your headspace as necessary, be sure to grab a warm washcloth dipped in vinegar and wipe each and every jar rim and screw band, okay? You want to make sure that you're cutting through all of the grease from the chicken, any of the seasonings and spices that may have snuck up there and gotten close to that jar rim. I tell individuals to grab your wash rag once that vinegar is on there and kind of pinch it between your thumb and your, your pointer finger. So when you go around that rim, you're actually getting down in there a good maybe eighth of an inch or a quarter of an inch into that rim. You're not just focusing on the top because you definitely want to prevent things from sneaking up uh, from inside that jar and getting on the top of that rim. All right, now once your rims are clean, go ahead and place your sterilized lid and ring atop each jar and simply hand tighten. Now with the pressure canner, it doesn't matter what type of pressure canner you have. The only thing that you have to pay mind to is your elevation at this point. So you want to focus on 10 pounds of pressure 
and it's 75 minutes of processing time for pints, 90 minutes for quarts. Now, if you live in an elevated area or a below sea level area, please be mindful of that and consult your state's extension program to find out what additional pounds of pressure and processing time you need in order to properly process your food to keep it safe, okay? Me here in Michigan, I'm, I have an advantage. I, I really don't have to factor that in. And so I can, I can process everything at the, the required recipe uh, amount. So thankfully I'm, I'm, I'm safe there. But for those of you that need to look, make sure you know uh, before you, you process anything in a pressure canner. Same with a water bather too, because what'll happen is, obviously you can't get above 212 deg degrees in a water bather, but your processing time might have to be adjusted and which means you might have to add a few extra minutes to properly kill off bacteria, which is what keeps your food safe and allows you to store it long-term on your pantry shelf. All right, now, another thing that stays tried and true no matter which pressure canner you're using is some of these tips to keep it safe and, op and working in op optimal uh, con condition. Oh my goodness, say that 10 times fast. <laughs> okay, so your vent, your vent is huge. You have to make sure that each and every time you go to use your pressure canner, your vent is clear from debris. There's no debris. You can basically pick your lid up, hold the vent upwards into the sky, and you should be able to look through that vent hole and see daylight. If you don't see daylight, get it clean, whether that's a toothpick or a toothbrush, some warm soapy water, make sure that you can see through that vent hole because you've gotta be able to vent some steam first, allowing it to then build pressure. Now the other thing is to make sure all of your handles, uh, your dial gauges, whatever components are added to that unit are screwed down tightly. Uh, sometimes there's a nut and a bolt, there's a washer. Just make sure, give everything a little hand check and make sure nothing's loose because you don't want any air escaping. If air escapes, we're defeating the purpose because it won't build pressure. And it's through pressure we're able to get upwards of 240 plus degrees, which is the required temperature in order to properly kill bacteria to keep it safe. All right, now I have enjoyed this segment with all of you. I'm happy to share, like I said, one of my new favorite soups. I just love it. And uh, the authentic flavor in this soup is just, uh, you're, you're just really gonna love it. And I, I highly recommend, um, if, if pressure canning is new to you, that this be one of your first recipes you try um, because it is absolutely delicious and very rewarding when you're when you see um, the amount of jars that you can put up in just one session. I mean, today's like for instance, I use Presto pressure canners. I don't get paid to tell you that. Uh, it's just something that I've I've always gravitated to. It's that brand that has always worked well for me, and the price point is well within my budget. And what I love about the 23 quart pressure canners that they have available for us home canners is they're now taller. So all you have to do is buy a separate rack for the bottom because you it comes with one rack. Buy a separate rack, and I think they're like 10 bucks, okay? Get a second one because you can double stack your pints. So now you can process 18 pints in one pressure canner. Talk about maximizing your time and being efficient with home canning. I love it. It just It's such a, a rewarding feeling to get you know, a whole batch done in, in one setting. Now, in order to enjoy this soup, I highly recommend that you um, 
top it with maybe some tortilla strips or a little bit of shredded cheese, a, a dollop of sour cream, and maybe even a dash of Tabasco sauce. There, You can even chop up some scallions or um, maybe some red and green bell peppers and sprinkle those on top before you serve it. I mean, there's so many fun things you can do with this soup, and um, there's so many um, great ways to enjoy it. Another fun way that I cannot wait to utilize this soup is to make a homemade batch of cornbread. And um, what I like to do is I like to take a um, half of a pint of creamed corn that I've put up and, and pressure canned and use that in the batter of the cornbread when I bake it and then serve it alongside a more maybe authentic Tex-Mex type of soup such as the chicken tortilla soup. So it's a really perfect combination, especially if you'd like to also make um, some Spanish rice as a side or even maybe some refried beans, which is easy to do utilizing your home canned pinto beans. Um, they have already gotten to a nice mushed consistency. I shouldn't say super mushy, but they, they're nice and soft and perfect uh, when pressure canned to make refried beans. So there's a lot of ways you can utilize a variety of your home canned goods in uh, conjunction with this chicken tortilla soup and provide for your family and friends a nice authentic meal. So start um, utilizing some of the home canned goods that you've put aside on your shelf as a way to um, make a nice well-rounded meal. Now if you went ahead and added the canning gel, one of the benefits of doing so when you go to reheat and eat the soup um, is that it won't lose any of that thickening agent. That's the benefit of utilizing canning gel or clear gel because in high temperatures and then heating and reheating, it won't lose that thickening ability. So um, you'll definitely be able to keep a hearty soup on hand. Now, last but not least, um, when using the soup, all you need to do is make sure that that lid has stayed sealed and you do so by inspecting that lid. It shouldn't compress up and down. It shouldn't make a pinging noise when you press it. Once it's been sitting on your shelf, it should stay um, nice and indented, if you will, in that top part of the lid. That center should be down at all times. It shouldn't move. And you should be able to essentially lift that entire jar by that lid and it not fall off. If your lid has stayed sealed, you'll simply then pop that lid off Take the contents and dump them into a saucepan and heat them on your stove top to your liking. Uh, you don't have to bring it to a full boil if you choose not to. You can just get it to the temperature in which you'd like to, to eat. Um, and then it's simple. You just ladle it into bowls, add the toppings you prefer and all of the fun sides that you'd like to serve, and bon appetit. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed uh, hearing from me and learning about this delicious recipe. I look forward to being back with you guys again next week. I'm going to do uh, a whole bunch of fun segments on berry season as we get into spring here. So be sure to stop back on by and check out some of my fun um, segments regarding these berries. Uh, berries make more than just jam. So I'm excited to share with you my strawberry salsa recipe, which blends that sweetness of a strawberry with some of the heat of the salsa components. I'm also going to share down the road here this spring um, a conserve, which is kind of like 
I guess you could call it a jam, but it's it's not really a jam because it's it's not mushed down. It's not uh, blended and boiled down. We're allowing the um, elements of each particular ingredient to keep a good portion of their shape. And so conserves are a little bit more chunkier. They have a lot more zest, if you will, to them. And this one's going to be called a spring conserve. And we're utilizing a lot of the spring uh, fruits that we see uh, come about, such as strawberries, rhubarb, and in some regions, pineapple, as well as some oranges. And then I'm also going to share a fun marmalade. So yes, I know that jams and jellies are popular, but I want to um, expand your mind and expand your options when it comes to utilizing berries in jam making. And this is going to be called a strawberry lemon marmalade. It's absolutely delicious and I can't wait to share that out with you. So be sure to tune in next week and the week after is going to be filled with all sorts of fun spring oriented berry recipes. In addition to talking about berries, I also want to incorporate some of the fun you know, gardening tips and techniques because I do exemplify the from the garden to the jar lifestyle and I want to make sure that we are incorporating, you know, growing our gardens together because I'm going to be out there digging in the dirt and I want all of you right along with me. I'm going to share with you some of the uh, plants in which I'm planting this year. I've got a lot of, of fun things in store. I'm changing it up a bit myself. So I'm excited to see how that, uh, how my garden grows, if you will, and all the fun things I'm doing. I look forward to being with you all again. And until we get together next time, please remember from the garden. Thank to you the for jar. listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Canning with the Diva. For tips, recipes, and techniques, please visit us online at canningdiva.com.